Well, time for us to take a look at uh, uh, our crystal ball uh, and make our, our trades within it. And, uh, uh, Corey, why don't you kick us off with your first trade that you have prepped? We already mentioned Pablo Lopez. I very much believe that he's going to be traded. I believe that he will be traded to a team that needs pitching. We've talked about it before. What have we said that Miami needs? They need offense. What have we said Baltimore needs? They need pitching. Young pitching would be preferable. The Orioles have hitting prospects for days. Marlins have pitching prospects for days. Lopez was close to moving to the AL East at the trade deadline. We said that, but he goes elsewhere within the vision. It's not New York. It's not Toronto. At 27 years old next year, he actually shares my birthday. I figured out while doing this, so happy birthday, March 7th, to me and Pablo Lopez. Nice. But Pablo Lopez for Anthony Santander, right? Santander's coming off a career-high season, 33 home runs, 90 RBIs. You get a couple of affordable years out of him. Pablo Lopez makes sense, fits within that Baltimore Orioles timeline. Offense for pitching, I think it makes sense for both teams. So one of the trades I had, uh, not on my five-year-old, one of the ones I did have written down and for those that exact trade, uh, Lopez for Santander. I think that... Uh, they need. Uh, he's not. Uh, he's not going to kill you with his batting average, uh, about two forty, two fifty, uh, in that range within it. Uh, Thirty homers. I mean, he, he's a. Uh, um, he's kind of underrated as far as being. I, I haven't looked recently, so maybe I'm misremembering. But I think he's like. There's no splits. I think he's platoon neutral. I think he's solid uh, versus both. Uh, within it, but again, it's it's not as easy to find thirty homer bats anymore that don't also have like a thirty percent uh, K rate uh, within it and play solid defense. So I I think that one makes a, a lot of sense for what the Marlins are looking for. Given uh, Lopez has a, does he have only one more year of, of team control? I think that's what that is before free agency. So I think that makes a lot of sense for a team that's wanting to. Uh, on both ends, trying to compete more. The, the Orioles get get them in the system already, and then you have a, you resign them. Uh, I like that trade. I think, you know, for the Marlins, right, you get back Santander, you hope for a bounce back from Jorge Soler, who they already brought back. That's a couple of big bats in the middle of your lineup. Maybe you get something out of, they paid obviously Garcia, you get something there. It's not hard to sit here and say the Orioles then, or the Marlins are a capable offense. Baltimore has just that top-notch pitcher, and maybe they still could sign Chris Bassett, right? Because, and then you're talking about a team that suddenly looks pretty good in the pitching. We've already talked about how much we like the offense. So, yeah. You, you have the younger, from DJ Hall to the... Uh, uh, Grayson Rodriguez should be there you. soon. John Means back. is coming back. So you have those guys there. Then you add in, if you add in a Pablo Lopez and you sign one free agent pitcher, all of a sudden, that team looks yeah. dramatically different. Their bullpen was good last year. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of got underrated within yeah. things. When you, when, Felix Bautista, they, the mountain. That's it. Uh, so... I'm going to give you my, uh, instead of saving this for last, since you mentioned Lopez, I'm going to give you my craziest trade. Okay. Uh, but only because if, again, I don't think he's moved uh, within it, uh, but if Brian Reynolds gets moved, mm-hmm. it, this is one where Reynolds makes sense on the Marlins, but Pablo Lopez doesn't make sense on the Pirates. Uh, none of the other pitchers really match to get, to get uh, Reynolds. So it involves a third team. Uh, what about uh, uh, Moreno from the the Blue Jays? Uh, he's already that goes that fits the core. You already have Cruz. Now you have your uh, catcher along with it. Uh, I like that for the Pirates for what they get within it. Uh, Blue Jays they want Lopez. Marlins would want Brian Reynolds. To me, I think everyone gets what they want, and that and that three team trade. So again, the Marlins get three years of Brian Reynolds at a at a cheap enough contract that fits uh, for them. Pirates get uh, a catcher to build around, 
that's already Major League ready right now. Blue Jays get the added starter starting pitcher in Lopez that they're looking for. To me, that makes sense for a three-team trade uh, where teams are filling their holes that they're looking for. I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, as far as I didn't have to do any three-team trades because it takes a while to think about those, but your thinking is certainly sound. You're right. Pablo Lopez and Brian Reynolds make a ton of sense. I think they're even talents, but Pablo Lopez also doesn't fit the Pirates' timeline. Now, could they use a pitcher of his caliber? Sure, but we just said he's not – He's not resign. I doubt he'd resign in Pittsburgh. So right. at He's that not point, the it doesn't. Guy. Yeah, it doesn't fit for them. Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, I mean that would be their probably their second best player. The second that he showed up there behind O'Neill Cruz, like it's a rough offense. We've talked about it. Brian Reynolds. I, I've said for years. I think he's a superstar that's just hidden in Pittsburgh. You could tell me that he goes anywhere, and he would be. He'd be great. I've said for years. I thought he's he's just ridiculously underrated because he's Pittsburgh. I think he's one of the best twenty or thirty hitters in this game. And Toronto, they need pitching. They need pitching, and they need a left-handed bat. Those are the two things they need. Pablo Lopez, it's the, the problem one with Pablo the Lopez. Best, one of the best impact pitchers you can find who's ready right now. Yeah, that uh, they can afford to resign him if they if they're if they're looking for that. But outside of Corbin Burns, can you name one other pitcher that's going to have a bigger impact or has the potential to have a bigger impact than Pablo Lopez? Not that I think is actually going to be traded. No. Yeah. So yeah, I I think I think it would make sense. That's a that's a. That took a lot of time, I bet, to think of that three-team trade. Well, it didn't, didn't take that one didn't take me too long, only because when I was been thinking of Brian Reynolds within it, I never saw a trade where he could do it, where it never matched up one to one. You see a lot of Boston speculation for Brian Reynolds. What do we think of that? I don't. I guess I can't say that I know their farm system well enough to say. Do they have some? It has to start with Jaron Duran, right? That one would have to start with Jaron Duran because you you don't need him anymore then, but then. Two other prospects. He's lost some of his shine. That's the it's problem. not the Jaron Duran from two years ago, right? It's it's you're hoping that I think he, he's another one. I think he can be good, but he is not going to be the. I thought he could be like a fifteenth, thirty steal type of guy. It's not going to happen. It's kind of like Chuck Peterson stole forty bases in the minors. I don't think he stole forty bases in his like eight years combined. Mm. Like, could Jaron Duran put up a career like that where he's a very much a platoon guy? Yeah, but I don't see. I see them that they that that's their like top priority speculation. Like, okay, cool, but I don't see what you're getting in that return. Yeah, I, it makes that's what makes a, a rental trade so hard is you just don't see uh, the return that makes sense for for Pittsburgh to move him now versus what if we just keep a good player for another year and we'll get the three same years. return next year. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, it's, it's, two years <laughs> of the peak time at three, it rarely happens because it's hard to find that type of value. To me, five years or near six for Moreno. Uh, is going to be valuable enough uh, that you can with it, that it fits the timeline of your new core. So that that's the only reason why I can see. I, I don't see it happening, but if it did, I think it would take uh, something like this. Who's your next uh, next trade? I mentioned that I thought the Yankees had middle infield depth. I think the most likely one to move is the biggest name there. That being Glaber Torres. I said last week, what do the Chicago White Sox need? They need a second baseman, which Glaber Torres can play. He is the Latin American player that they love to accumulate. What do the Yankees need? They need more pitching. So how about a trade of two very highly thought of players just a couple of years ago? Glaber Torres for Lucas Giolito, right? Both teams are needed. Both of those mm. players need a change of scenery. Giolito could go be in New York. Now, I'm not saying he's probably not the – he's kind of a weird personality guy too. I'm not saying it's a great fit, but – he needs to get out of Chicago. He's had he has flashes of brilliance, right? We've seen two awesome years around the years that have just been abysmal. This year was terrible again. Glaber Torres, the Yankees need to clear out some space in New York. He's probably their biggest chip at this point. You at least get a high upside uh, 
uh, upside pitcher that you can at least roll the dice on, and then um, if it doesn't work out, you move him at the the trade deadline at the at the same time. There's because and you can still make the case like you know he might be Sonny Gray uh, mm-hmm. for someone that doesn't fit there, but may fit somewhere else. It, it's an intriguing trade for a team that needs to that needs high upside for its for its pitching. Right, uh, it's Garrett Cole and then Luis Severino, but they're who are they re-signing? What are they doing with the rest of their rotation? Like it, it, it makes sense. I, I like that. Uh, I like that trade for for both sides. Uh, Torres fits exactly like you said. Prototypical for the White Sox player, or even for second base within it. Like it, it makes a lot of sense there. That I like that one. I'll give the strength to strength trade that I talked about. I did. We haven't talked about the uh, uh, Mar, uh, the Mariners pitching. But they have at least one that can be offered, and not not an ace. I mean, could they go with Kirby and, and try to do something that way? Sure, but I, I don't see I that. It's more likely if you're looking for like a number three, number four starter, number four starter on a good team, uh, either Chris Flexen or Marco Gonzalez. Marco Gonzalez is on a good good contract at the same time, three years and maybe nine million a season, uh, and we're seeing what the going rate is right now within it. That's cheap anymore. Uh, this is more of a a generic trade because I'm saying one of those two guys for a Cardinals position player. I'm not even being too specific with it. I just say, whoever they like more. Do they like Juan Yepes? Do they like uh, Nolan Gorman? Like, who, what are they What are they looking for out of it? Tyler O'Neill. Uh, not that they need more outfielders, but the, again, I, something in there makes sense with these two teams. This is the same type of trade uh, that the Cardinals made uh, the opposite way uh, at the trade deadline. They tra- traded Harrison Bader and got... Uh, Jordan Montgomery. And so I, I think this would make sense for another, ty- that same type of move uh, that would make sense for both teams. Well, I'm just going to segue into my Cardinals trade because we'll talk to the same players here. Because I also had the Cardinals. I said, here's the li- list of names I came up with. I don't know which one it is. I had Nolan Gorman. I had Brendan Donovan, who we saw have a nice uh-huh. little rookie season and holding a spot here. Juan Yepes, Tyler O'Neill. And then if it's pitchers, Matthew Liberatore, Alec Burleson is down in the minor leagues doing awesome work. I have those players listed and I have a moving in for Sean Murphy because we know that they're replacing a certain Hall of Fame catcher yeah. right they need a new they're going to replace a Hall of Fame catcher I thought that that was who I had them moving one of those players for too because I think we're both in agreement they just have you, you said right like you can only hold so many players on your major league roster and at some point it's we know these guys can play right but well, you're not going to play necessarily uh, yeah. and trade value with within it. Uh, the longer you hold on to them, the and I can see a package of those players going for a uh, a Sean Murphy type mm-hmm. thing, depending upon what it is that they're wanting to do. But they have surplus to work with because also you have this guy called Jordan Walker. Uh, that's uh, he he's major league ready. Jordan Walker, Mason Wynn, right? Those are your that's your future on the left side. Eventually, Nolan uh, was still amazing, right? But. And maybe Jordan Walker plays first. I don't know how they make it work, but as usual, they have extremely we'll high guys around this. What they do, extremely high upside prospects coming, and they have guys that are not old that have a lot of value right now, and they can fill holes with it. That's how they have Paul Goldschmidt. That's how they have Nolan Arenado. Could they add Sean Murphy to replace a certain Hall of Fame catcher? Yeah, they could. They have as much off. They have as many trade assets as any team in baseball. So it's a matter of does the team that you're matching up with like what you have to offer or from a, a selection of what you have to offer of picking what they uh, they want to do within it. The Cardinals' flexibility is going to be their best friend when talking to teams uh, at the, the deadline or at the uh, winter meeting. So I, I like that one too. Uh, I'll give my Sean Murphy trade, uh, and that's the uh, for more of the, the prospect pick. Uh, 
I, I this is the one where I do see my the Rays being aggressive on. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- they have a surplus not at the major league level, but in the minor league level, uh, they're having a harder time holding on to their like their the, the they rule made a of small trades already. Yeah, in order just to try to keep and they they are excellent at replenishing. When guys get to where they can no longer hold on to them, they trade them and get future assets for them. That's the type of trades they make. That's also how they got Curtis Mead, mm-hmm. uh, who's now one of the top 25, top 50 uh, prospects in all of baseball, mm-hmm. who no one had heard of before that. Now, all of a sudden, they come into a system, and he catches lightning in a bottle, and now they have a top guy within it. This is the type of move that they've made before, but I think they need to make it the other way now and be aggressive to get... Uh, look at the catching production from the Rays last year to then what Sean Murphy offers. If you want to talk about one of the biggest net gains you could have from a position of weakness now to a position of strength, it makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can offer either way, whether it's Carson Williams, who's uh, uh, an up-and-coming uh, shortstop prospect, uh, whose uh, bat has a lot of uh, potential within it, top 100 prospect within it. They can also offer Taj Bradley. Uh, if they want, uh, I think because they have enough young pitching at the major league level, they could uh, move him in a trade. They already did that with a, a Matt Liebertor, uh trade uh, when it was with the Randy Rosarina deal within it. So they, despite the fact that they hoard their pitching, they do move it when they are aggressive for someone that they're targeting. Sean Murphy has three years of team control, uh, so that's exactly what the Rays are looking for to part with uh, young, uh, uh, young t- uh, talent. Uh, so I see either Carson Williams or Taj Bradley headlining the trade, uh, and then you can add in Josh Lowe, who uh, just needs uh, consistent at-bats. He'll get that in Oakland in a non-pressure situation. Uh, maybe he can follow what his uh, uh, brother did and uh, Nathaniel in uh, Texas just by getting the consistent at-bats within it. Uh, you can add in someone like uh, Vidal Bruhan, uh, another guy who has speed, has potential, who might benefit from the uh, uh, the new rule changes within it as well. He's been a, a switch hitter, but might be more inclined to keep one uh, one versus the other. Again, I think this is one where Oakland can benefit from the Rays' uh, minor league depth and start creating the building blocks that they need uh, to start moving forward in their rebuild. Well, I actually have a Rays trade as well, and uh, mine has them actually moving Yandy Diaz. Uh, my trade with the Rays involves them moving Yandy Diaz to San Diego. Uh, San Diego and the Rays have this like trade uh-huh. partnership going on thing where it's Jake Cronenworth was kind of a no name. Well, he wasn't a no, he was buried in the Rays system. And obviously that's worked out well for San Diego with Blake Snell. The Rays have gotten moved them. I had them getting Luis Camposano back. Now I know that the catching that they've gotten back from San Diego before has not always worked out. I can't think of his name right now. Francisco Mejia. Thank you. Did not work out perhaps as well as they wanted, but it's not been bad. And so I had them moving Yandy Diaz for perhaps like a Luis Camposano to, I also had them replacing a catcher of theirs too. And then I think that Yandy Diaz, he's good, but you mentioned, you know, Curtis Mead. Yandy Diaz is a very good player as far as like getting on base. That's what he's really good at. He, he needs to, if he's elevated the ball a little more, like he hits it so hard, he just needs to really elevate it. Now he's I know top that. Top three and on base percentage yeah. in the American League uh, last year that way. And he does what he does hit is left-handed pitching. He's a good from the right-handed side within it. Uh, but they have uh, Isaac Paredes, who they got for Austin Meadows last year, who hit 20 homers for the team last year. His BABIP had had poor luck with that. There's there's more meat on the bone there that he Mm -hmm. needs. His best position after watching him play a few different things is third base, so they have a ready-made step in there where Diaz is on the list of guys that I could see moved just for the fun of it if I I was seeing them moving him. That's for a uh, Jake McCarthy. 
Uh, and they're looking for a right-handed bat that's fitting more of what they're looking for. You'd probably have to add something to it, but uh, I could see that as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, with San Diego, I know that San Diego right now is considered like, I don't know if they're considered the favorite, but they're considered a, certainly a big player in the Jose Abreu sweepstakes. They're we, making loud noises there. We've known for years that they've said if they get a DH, they want Nelson Cruz. I don't want to say that Jose Abreu is Nelson Cruz, but he's pretty much the same thing, right? Like older batters who are extremely consistent and I don't think he's going to fall off the charts. So I could see that happening. That probably means that they don't need Yanni Diaz as much because I think that, look, we've said for, they have a ton of talent on San Diego. I don't see them just sitting on their hands and doing nothing here, but yeah, I think we both think the Rays are going, they always do. They always make moves. And I said, they've already made a ton. They're getting, they're also a team kind of like St. Louis where maybe it's not as many players, but they also have a, they have a limited number of players that they can play, right? And so yep. at some point it becomes we have to move some of the depth we have to get more higher-end talent. Does that make sense? It really does. Again, I don't want to see them move Diaz, but at the same time, this fits the two years before the team control is over. Uh, you already have a ready-made replacement. Uh, could you, you could move him over to first base, uh, or Isaac Paredes could go to first base. Like There's uh, uh, ones that you can see either way within it, but I I see them going for more of a classic first baseman, and Diaz becomes, again, a way to you know, trade from a position of strength to incorporate major league talent in a different way. So uh, uh, he's one of the guys, if they trade someone, I think uh, from the major league roster, uh, he's the number one guy that I see moving, so I, that trade makes a ton of sense. Let me do, I have one left. You have one left, too? Okay, I, let me do my pie in the sky one here. I'm not sure it's pie in the sky as much as, I could see it happening, right? You you mentioned it when we were talking before. Remember when Mookie Betts was traded to the Dodgers? Could lightning strike twice? The Dodgers let Justin Turner walk, right? The Dodgers let Dustin Turner go. They could turn it to Miguel Vargas, absolutely. And I would say he's he's basically Justin Turner. Last year at AAA, this guy had 100 runs, 17 home runs, 82 RBIs, 16 steals. He hit 304. Miguel Vargas is going to be very good at the major league level. But could you just use him to bring back in Rafael Devers? We all know that. Who knows what Boston's going to do? You you make you can easily say we give you Jose Ramos, Miguel Vargas, something more. We'll take Rafael Devers off your hands and we'll give him some massive contract extension. It's not all that unheard of for me to say Rafael Devers is a Dodger next year, especially if they lose Trey Turner. The I I would agree with that. I let's put it this way. Uh you have to look at the different different pieces that you're seeing along the way and wonder, hmm, what is that leading to, right? We don't have the, the end piece yet, but we have different pieces starting. And where is that leading to? The Dodgers have cleared off $100 million off of their payroll. Now, again, you could say that they're maybe uh, too high of a payroll and eventually it's going to have to come down at some point, sure. But it can still come down and still spend like near $35, 40000000 million on one guy uh, and still pocket $60 million <laughs> from that. So... I, I think they're clearing it for someone. Uh, I think it's uh, a certain circuit court uh, gentleman from a New York, uh, or at least a judge, uh, we'll go with that one, uh, that I, I think they're going to offer him more than what the Yankees are willing to do. Uh, and uh, the last rumor was a 337 mil uh, from the Yankees within it. I don't see any way. The Dodgers, the Dodgers can top can that, that 350. Sure. Uh, three. Just going over it will be enough. Judge, we said he's not going to offer a he's hometown giving, discount. He's, he's also not going to give him a chance to match. If someone actually gives him a contract in the sphere of what he thinks he's worth, he's not returning the phone calls to New York. He's just going. Uh, and if you read his, it felt cryptic to me. 
his uh, MVP, uh, whatever his Instagram or whatever the thing was for it, uh, it felt more like a farewell. It felt more like a goodbye than an uh, than a uh, part of like probably part of the New York organization. With that, it felt more like a, a step A to a step B of a, of a goodbye tour. That's what it felt like to me. But could the uh, could Boston or the Dodgers could the Dodgers shift? And say, yeah, we yeah, we're willing to spend this money, but we're going to spend it on a twenty-five-year-old third baseman who's one of the best players in the game. That way, yeah, I could absolutely see it within it. Uh, uh, Boston, could they make that trade? You don't want him in the American League. You want to kick him to the National League within it. So, who in the National League is going to offer you something that that can uh, be at that level? Who's going to pay him? There's very few teams that can match that within it. Uh, so the Dodgers makes a uh, do make logical sense that if they're going to move him. They've already been down this road before. They've already done it with this team. Actually, they've done it a few times with this team. You go back longer history within it. So I, it's not out of the realm of possibility that that's the biggest blockbuster that takes place. Let's Can we just rank the four superstars that we... I am 100% positive. One of the four people we've talked about between Trey Turner, Aaron Judge, Rafael Devers, Jacob deGrom is wearing the Dodgers uniforms next year, right? Agreed. I, I'd be shocked if one of those four is not... Imposs- maybe two, like... It's possible. Which one is most likely to wear Dodgers blue? Judge? For me, I, I've been touting it for a couple of weeks now, Judge. I, I think I, that's I will still the one. say Trey Turner ahead of Judge. And then I would say Judge second. And you would say Trey Turner second? Or would you put someone else ahead of that? I just think Turner wants different. Uh, if, if his East Coast connections don't work out the way he wants, would he be willing to come back to the Dodgers? Absolutely. But I think he just wants something different. So I'm, I think it's Judge one. Uh, and then for, for number two, I think they would pursue Devers to see if that's possible. They would try to pry it away uh, I after think the, that. DeGrom is the luxury pick, right? Like yep. They don't need DeGrom, but it does not mean that they will not say, here, Jacob DeGrom, here's $100 million for three years if you'd like to come pitch for us. I don't think they like any of the other shortstops the same way, and which makes it hard because there's not as much available outside of shortstops this I don't, year. And that's the thing is, I do not if they do not get Trey Turner back, I don't see Xander Bogarts playing there. Nope. I I don't see Danzy Swanson. They could sign Danzy Swanson, absolutely, because I'm sure him and Freddie Freeman are friends, but I do not see him leaving Atlanta. I don't see Carlos Correa as a fit, given the history within it. And I don't see Carlos Correa going there. So, like, it's Trey Turner or it's Gavin Lux to me. And I'm not – Gavin Lux could be very good. I still don't think Gavin Lux is, like, a bad player, but it's really hard to see this team missing out. Like, one of those four wears blue next year. I think it's Trey Turner. You think it's Aaron Judge. And it, I could very easily be convinced that it's Aaron Judge, too. Like, absolutely, they will not miss out on all these superstars. It's just a matter of who do they bring in. And Rafael Devers, like, he, it is not hard for me to stretch this and say Rafael Devers is their third baseman to replace Justin Turner. A, th- a thousand percent. I, it's going to be that always as it has been, and they still have enough uh, of a farm system within it. They're, they're at the table of anything and everything they want to be at. Uh, I think they are the team that makes the big, that makes a big splash uh, between now and the, uh, uh, and the, the winter meetings uh, uh, within it. Uh, so I'll go to my big, again, I think we've done a good job of matching each other uh, within it. So here's my superstar uh, trade. Uh, if this offseason doesn't go the way the Mets want, uh, if uh, they if they if Degrom leaves, Bassett leaves, they don't get Verlander. Corbin Burns. Say, that's got to be Corbin Burns. Then, yep. Okay. That's who you're targeting. 
uh, and they just so happen to have the number one overall prospect in all of baseball, at least at the time within it, by the time you started, uh, Francisco Alvarez. You could do a one-player trade. That's all it would take. You put him there, boom, done. This How is that any different than, and now granted, there's four years versus two. It's a different valuation, but that's how Chris Sale got moved. Uh, Young Mankato was yeah. the number one overall guy yeah. uh, uh, within it, and the yes, it's not the not quite the same. But Burns is only one year removed from a, a Cy Young. Uh, he has two years to it. Uh, he he would match, and also cheap, so they can spend money on other uh, other players within it. You can't underscore. Uh, here, uh, here's the tough one. Justin Verlander for three years at forty uh, forty two million a season. And having Francisco Alvarez or Corbin Burns for ten fifteen, and then using that twenty five towards anyone else that you'd want to go get, whether that's resigning another, go after a different pitcher or anything with, it. you know what I mean? Like it's that you're replacing the impact aspect because like you have uh, Max Scherzer, you have Corbin Burns, Carlos Carrasco, still there. So, You'll get one of the other second tier pitchers within that very easily, and you're no worse for where you go sign. If you you trade Alvarez, go sign Wilson Contreras. Then, right? You can easily replace the the production you need for this year without breaking the bank. In fact, you could get Contreras and Burns uh, for less than what you would have paid for Verlander. I, I just it, it makes a lot of sense to me where it's, you're not going to lose anything in terms of short term value. Right, your team is going to be just as good. Uh, you you found how hard is it to replace a Degrom uh, level with that? And and you're getting a guy who was a Cy Young just two years ago who's still young, right? And that's not uh, and who honestly will have better valuation because who are you who are you picking to have better health uh, next year? Who's pitching more innings, uh, Degrom or Burns? I'll, I'll take Corbin Burns in that one. So, you, uh, I think a lot of people over Jacob Degrom. <laughs> right? It's the I, some might say that that's too much for for Burns, but I, I I think it makes sense. Okay, I could see it happening. Like I'm not going to sit here and say that I can't see that happening. Absolutely, if they if they lose Jacob Degrom, they will need to make a splash too. Because once again, I just said I don't see the Dodgers getting like. There's only so many superstars in this game. They're not That's going to go it. after a shortstop, right? Because they've already got Francisco Lindor. Yep. Could they go after Aaron Judge? Yeah, sure, they can. I don't know how it fits. I guess you can push Mark Canna to the bench and you just say, this is our Brandon Nimmo replacement. But you have Starling Marte, you have Mark Canna, you have Jeff McNeil in the outfield, right? Like, it's not necessarily a fix. Now, you'd say, okay, well, we have Aaron Judge and Pete Alonso. Good luck hit it. Like, look at the middle of our lineup. Yeah, sure. But they're not getting a shortstop. So they need. The pitching, because right now we you just you laid it out great, like Max Scherzer, Carlos Carrasco, and then it drops off to Tyler McGill, David Peterson, Eliezer Hernandez. That's that's not, com- it's really hard to see that being competitive against even the Braves. Right, the Braves are a better team than the Mets at that point. I'm good with that conglomeration being like for battling out for four and five, mm-hmm. but you still need one more stud. Uh, to balance that out, to lengthen the Phillies, that rotation. Right? It's yeah. the same thing the Phillies yeah, had. It's absolutely. the two studs with an awesome offense. And we saw that the Phillies rode it to the World Series, but they didn't win because Houston has five studs. Well, three studs and whatever, however I mean, you say I it. I like but. McGill. I like Eliezer as far as the, the, the promise that's there. Uh, and with your offense, you can give them time to see what, what works with them. And you can always go get a, a starting pitcher at the deadline if you're looking for it uh, within it. 
it's hard to find someone of Burns's caliber. The Mets make sense for Burns. Balt I mentioned Baltimore earlier. I think Baltimore makes sense for Burns, but that's gonna they're gonna have to give up some of those high end prospects at that point. Toronto, can, I can I can see how that works, but I don't know. Like the Brewers are not taking on Bobichet and and Willie Adonis. One of them would have to go, and Toronto is not. It does it. It's harder for me to see Toronto work than the Mets. I've I've seen the Mariners thrown around. We saw the Mariners make a move for Luis Castillo. They have Robbie Ray. You mentioned you know do you give up George Kirby? You're not giving up George Kirby for anything, right? Like now George Kirby and something else for Logan for Corbin Burns. Maybe like I can see that. And and Texas is the other name you hear thrown around because we said Texas wants to compete. We've seen them want to spend money. They need pitching now. Do they have the prospects? They have like Josh Young and they have Owen White. Maybe. I don't. It's really hard because there's not it many is. pitchers that are trade. You don't see pitchers of this caliber get traded very often in the offseason when they're under team control like this, especially young guys. So let me ask if this as a as a Brewers fan. Mm-hmm. Is Francisco Alvarez the the blue chip uh, a prospect that says, yep, a move, uh, move Burns for that? What's Baltimore willing to give me? Like, because Baltimore is the one that you that you want to touch into. Because Francisco Alvarez, catcher prospects are great, but they also are catcher prospects. And how long does he stay a catcher? That's my question: is how They're long the riskiest asset to accumulate in a high and end it's catchers, thing. right? That's what those are the two riskiest propositions. Now, does Baltimore willing to say you're not getting Ad- Gunnar Henderson, you're not getting Adley Rutschman? Will they give me Grayson Rodriguez back as a pitcher and uh, Jordan Westberg, right? A Kobe Mayo, really good. Offensive prospects, because then Baltimore becomes the one that's hard that that I can see them taking over the Mets. Baltimore is the one that can match. Like if you're talking just straight prospects, not the not the major league. Well, not that these guys aren't major league ready, but not the ones who've been in the majors like St. Louis. But just straight prospects, nobody matches Baltimore right now. We've said that for almost a year and a half that nobody matches Baltimore's farm system. If they're willing to give up Grayson Rodriguez and you know Jordan Westberg and DL Hall, whatever, something like that. Then that that's that's the best offer you're going to get because Francisco Alvarez, for as good as he is, catchers break down. Catchers break down. They don't stay catchers forever. Now, could he come out and be Joe Mauer for the next decade? Maybe I don't know. I've I've never seen him play, but from everything we hear, he's going to be great, and I I don't doubt that. But catchers are catchers, man. They're not shortstops. They're not outfielders. It's tough on the knees. They move off catcher, and then you got to find him a first base spot. And then how quick is it till he's Salvador Perez, where you need to play him DH, right? I still like the Blue Jays as a fit for Corbin Burns. Not not the not Bobachet. I I don't see that being the because it also it gets into the same problem. You have too many young players that you don't want to. You're not going to pay everybody, mm-hmm. and, and that's where that's where the Blue Jays have a hard time already. Because some of these guys are not. They need to pay Vlad Jr. They need to pay Bobachet. They need to pay Alejandro Kirk. They need to pay you know Alec Manoa. Like they have an extremely good core. But would I take a? Uh, Gabriel Moreno and a Ricky, uh, Ricky Tiedemann. Yeah, there we go. Like that fits yeah. the Brewers because you, you add to the pitching pipeline for next guys coming up within it. Uh, Moreno, he looked good in his mm-hmm. first. Uh, uh, the bat looked good. And I, I don't. You can, defensive uh, catchers are a dime a dozen. You can find that if you want. It's those that are the two way that are more unique. Moreno showed uh, big time flashes of that already. Uh, which that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. You don't want to put too much stock into just 100 at-bats or whatever the case was within it, but he looked good. Uh, and I, you're adding to, like, what is what is the Brewers' contention wave? They have the uh, Chirio, who's the one year away. 
uh, with yeah. like he, skyrocketing up, up the, the with it. He he's your next stud, right? He's the one that you want to be building around if the progression stays uh, where that's at. Uh, you have other guys that you can build. You can still have a, a contending team, a playoff roster right now. You're adding in that. You now added in a catcher who has at least five years of team control, cheap, that you can augment around other areas within it. Uh, and then you add in uh, uh, a lefty, uh, uh, very promising uh, for the from the Blue Jays and Ricky Tiedemann. Uh, to me, that makes sense uh, for the Brewers more than putting all your eggs in one basket into a catcher basket. Those two are high-end prospects. One is already a major league level, and and Tiedemann is only what maybe one year out uh, from that. So like you're, that makes more sense from a team that still wants to contend now and augmenting their roster to move forward to again lengthen that contention window because we are very close. If we want to have a come to Jesus moment as far as where the Brewers are and and where their future is within it, they're very close to having this pass them by, right? Hmm? Willie Adamas. Brandon Woodruff, Corbin Burns, uh, even Freddie Peralta with it. a better contract where he's at least more locked up. You have some pieces, but your high end, your ceiling players, uh, you're either signing or, or, or as you're at the end of a window uh, unless you commit major dollars, right? That That's where we are. This team needs to decide how they want to look two years from now. You can't sacrifice the next two years, but if, if you only focus on the core that you have now, the honest answer is the core that you have now has not been good enough to get you there, right? You need to make, so either you're adding more dollars or if you're not adding that, then, then what are you doing? You just spin your wheels, you become, what's the, some of the teams we saw, the head scratchers that, that do that, uh, that neither <laughs> yeah, neither contend nor rebuild. You get, the, the brewers are very close to getting into that middle ground that where no one wants to be either tear it down and build up with prospects or augment and add to it and compete. And they're getting very close to that middle ground where I think Corbin Burns is the answer to that question. What are we putting it at? 50% he's traded? Higher? Lower? I, I said at the beginning, 60-40 oh, is where I'm okay. at. I don't remember if we were saying it. Okay, yeah. I, for, and, I, and I still stick to it then. 40-60 is where I'd stay with him. I, I could see them, because of the Josh Hader trade not working out, and essentially I know that David Stern stepped down, but there was a lot of animosity with the fan base towards David Stern from the Josh Hader trade. The next person to trade a superstar, it better hit because people are not pleased with the Josh Trader trade still. If you're going to do that, you need, first, you need to, where is ownership in all this as far as, and they at least uh, uh, talk the talk. Now it's about walking the walk. They said they want to uh, spend money, right? Mm-hmm. You can do a subdi- uh, subtraction and addition at the same time. Here's an ideal scenario for the Brewers if it's if it's I'm looking at this. I'm signing Chris Bassett to a three-year, $60 million contract, and then I'm trading Corbin Burns for Moreno and, and Tiedemann. I like it. Yeah. I, I would. And you're still competitive. The bottom line, yeah. you did not add. No. You did not add to that bottom line. When you when you take away, if you're saying you're going to add ten million to the to the uh, to the budget for next year, right? Just looking at this perspective, you still have to add a bat. I get it, uh, but to me, like and the the dream scenario, JD Martinez, Chris Bassett, and you do this Corbin Burns trade. Are you not excited for that uh, for next year? Then I'd, I'd be excited. I'd be fine with that. I, I think that's 
that's the way this works. That's the way that ownership can sell this. If you're going to trade Burns, you better have some other moves to back it up. You better write the checkbook. But in ways where you're not you're not risking yourself. Three year deal, sixty million bucks, twenty million a season, that's high, but that's that's not a long term commitment. That's not two hundred million that you're sinking into anybody within it. JD Martinez is a one year fifteen million dollar deal. Right? You're you're not locking yourself up into bad financial risk while still adding to the young players at the same time. That's what the Brewers need to do if they actually want to compete in the NL Central, because again, the, you already talked about Cardinals are lurking as far as making additional bigger moves. Uh Cubs are going to spend big. They're going to do like a, a Carlos Correa type uh, this offseason. Brewers have a chance to be passed very quickly by not one but two teams. Cubs are my pick for Cody Senga now. And exactly. That's the... There is a way in which this works in which the Brewers compete without sinking major financial dollars or risking or mortgaging the future or any of the moves within it. But you have to be willing to part with key talent, but right away replace with it. To me, the strength of this free agent market is the second-tier pitcher. There's a good group of, of pitchers that are within that uh, that are going to get similar contracts. So it isn't like you're going to necessarily have to outbid. And someone like Chris Bassett, you're not getting more. Like, you offer a 360 deal, that's getting done. Uh, I, that, that makes a ton of sense. And you can pick, you can substitute out a couple of names within that, right? It, it would work. Uh, uh, within that, I that's what I would do if I were the Brewers. Uh, but I do believe that the way to extending the window while still being able to compete now, to me, that's Corbin Burns. Uh, how you handle that situation will determine whether your window is only two years or your window goes beyond that. I think for me, that's what I see as being the, the key question and how that gets handled this offseason. It's a long offseason. Winter meetings two weeks away, but I think the 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 answer to the question won't be that long away because if it's going to happen, it's going to happen in the next two weeks, three at most, That's right? Is it before that? So uh, answers to that key question are coming for for Brewers fans uh, as well as for a lot of other teams uh, within it. Those were our trades. Uh, have fun uh, uh, taking a look at uh, moves that you might. Uh, do some uh, doodling on, on paper yourself. and seeing uh, right. uh, what comes together within it. Whether it's a maybe cool you can move Shohei Otani. We couldn't do it. I just, I just couldn't. I, I just, I, <laughs> that I was the see, one. I had his. I, I wrote like, down. I would fire myself if I traded. I wrote Otani. down ten names, and he was one of them. And I and I thought, and I'm like, who can I give him to? And of course, the Dodgers are the easy one, right? And I'm like, no, even they can't pull this. Like, it is so hard to pull that trade off. So, I try to at least have a couple of days there where it's easy to have access to my phone when I'm doing work or things within <laughs> it because that's it, it's too fun listening to the rumors. It's yep. the the rumor mill is. Uh, that's when it's at its peak outside of July 31st, right? That's the – have some fun. Enjoy the the randomness that comes from it, the weird names. That there's going to be a name that will be mentioned that we haven't even talked about. Trey Turner to Seattle uh, for not, – not a trade, but that one I didn't – you know. I know we know that they wanted Chris Bryant last year. He yeah. went to Colorado. And that's a team – who knows what Colorado is going to do? I've seen Colorado speculated for a lot of these – like Ahmed Rosario for, to Colorado. Like, I don't know. There's there's plenty of, of of crazy teams that are willing to do something like the what's the what I what I don't know if I can imagine now it used to be like there'd be an outlandish contract signed uh, with like wow he got that much at, at the prices of what is there any any a way of doing outlandish at this point anymore when we're talking two hundred three hundred four hundred million dollars for for stuff within it I I can't even describe an outlandish contract Let's anymore. Talk about the one can we talk 
really quickly, I mentioned Tyler Anderson signed. How about Anthony Rizzo? What do we think of that signing? Three years, $51 million, back to New York? I see the Yankees trying to roll it back. Uh, and... I, for example, I like that one within. It makes it makes a ton of sense in that uh, in that uh, home field and everything else. But if their idea is just to bring back what they already had, what they had was not good enough. If you look at the numbers in the second half, look at that offense without Judge. The whole season. That's never Aaron Judge wow. wasn't there. They were well, the, fr- the first half was still at least you had other guys mm-hmm. at least decent. Like that offense is nothing without him, which is why I don't understand why they haven't sweet talked him more. Just pay the man. What truly at, at this level, it sounds silly, but at the same time, it's true. What's three hundred and thirty-seven million versus three fifty or three seventy-five? Seriously, yeah, it, three million dollars a season more. In what, their defense, in the, in the Yankees' defense, for for Rizzo, not Judge, for Rizzo, it sounded like Houston was interested. You can't let Anthony Rizzo sign with Houston no. after you just got beat by them. And it sounds like Houston, we mentioned Houston needs a first baseman. I said Jose Abreu. We've talked about Josh Bell. Apparently, Anthony Rizzo was one of their like top priorities. You cannot possibly, if you're a Yankees fan, no. let Anthony Rizzo sign with Houston. Well, and that's not a high-risk contract. $17 million for, uh, a year for three seasons. And he's not like he's not even thirty five yet. I mean, it's going to be he'll approach thirty five, thirty six by the end of the contract. That's it. I think he'll be good. I think you know, and for it's the Yankees' sake, deal. I think he's going to be just fine. He's yep. he has completely learned how to take advantage of their short a right sensible field contract. Pens. Yeah, that's that's a good signing. And apparently, he's good friends with with Judge. So you know, try and sweeten the pot somehow there. <laughs> Either way, we'll have uh, some interesting. Uh, We're gonna take a week off, right? For yep. for Thanksgiving, we'll take a week off, and then we'll come back in a couple weeks and. Hopefully we'll have some some stories to we'll talk see, about. Here. We'll see from our uh, from our crystal ball to what happens in reality. How close did we come? What actually happened? Reactions to that, and what teams are feeling good about the the Christmas presents they just gave to their fan base uh, leading up to that. So everyone have a happy Thanksgiving, uh, and we'll hopefully look forward to talking some uh, some baseball uh, contracts and trades uh, when we come back. Take care.